Right, evening everybody. <laughs> so, as most of you will know, the past couple of times I've been up here, I've been going through a very special football team. A team that shows what God can do for us, a team that shows some of the characteristics of God, and a team that gives us hope that whatever battle we face, we can come up as a, as a victor. The team is, of course, Heaven's Eleven. And today is extra time. Um, so the first half we had the goalkeeper and our four defenders. Um, the second half uh, we had the two midfielders and two strikers, so we went on to the two midfielders today. Um, so the last time I did this, it was a good job, Matthew, it was you, because he remembered most of the answers by himself. <laughs> so I've got a few chocolates to give out as a sort of uh, <laughs> thing. So can anyone name any of the nine players? The Rock. Rock. Oh, we've got one. The Gold. Yeah. Any others? Any left would be for me, so it's win-win for me. No? They are. They're all going to be coming your way now, man. Can you name any more? The Shield. The Glory. The Creator. The Man Marker. Man Marker, yeah. There's one more, I think. No? I don't know what I'm saying, though. What? I think it's the one I didn't know. That's a very poor effort, i got to say. Right. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, right, so, this is the team. Right, so we have the sun. Um, so, with Jesus, Jesus saves. Um, so, we got our rock. Um, we can build all our hope of God. Uh, we got God's our shield. He can protect us from the enemy. Um, our strength, which he instills into us. Uh, a man marker because he's with us at all times. Um, we've got the creator, um, obviously um, created the whole world. Um, we've got power, everything in this team and everything he does for us shows us the amazing power that he has. Um, and we've got the glory, he deserves all the glory because of everything he does for us. And obviously the goat because he is the greatest of all time. Uh, so today I'm going to uh, look at the last two players in our team. You could say these two are the heartbeat of the team. So let's crack on. Right, so our first um, midfielder, or our ninth, uh, tenth player, sorry, is the cross. So there are two people that come to mind when I think of the word cross. On the football side of it is, of course, David Beckham. In my opinion, no one has ever been able to cross the ball quite like this guy. He consistently whipped in deliveries with pace, bend and accuracy. We've all heard the phrase, bend it like Beckham, and we've all seen examples of his ability. I have lots of memories of strikers like York and Andy Cole, Sharon Masosha, amongst others, all benefiting from his crossing. His, his, two, his most famous balls into the box are probably in the 1999 Champions League final, uh, where two goals were scored in added time from balls he had whipped into the box from his corners. Beckham is one of my favourite players of all time, but even he couldn't make it into this, this team. The second person that comes to mind provide, provided a different type of deliverance but he died on the cross for us all. It is, of course, our goalkeeper, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I talked in the first half of this team about Jesus pulling off the greatest save in history when he died on the cross, taking all of our sins with him. Whereas Beckham's crossing could be described as deadly, Jesus' cross could be described as death-defeating. Unlike with David Beckham, where only his teammates could benefit from his crossing, the whole world could benefit from this one because Jesus died for us all. Beckham is retired now and no longer doing what he did best. Um, but the cross that Jesus died upon and everything it stands for is still going today. 
When Jesus died and took on the sins of the world, it wasn't just for the people who were alive at the time, it was all who would come after as, as well, until the end of time. For the sake of all mankind, this needed to be done, because without it, we all fall short of the glory of God, because we are all sinners. When you look at Beckham's career and all the prizes that his abilities helped him win, you could all feel a little bit jealous of the life he has. But nothing he has in his life comes close to the salvation that Jesus has won for us. Something that has really hit home with me over the last couple of years is that Jesus did it all when he died on the cross. There is nothing I can do to help my cause. There is nothing that can come close to what Jesus did. Dying on the cross and taking on the sins of the world. Uh, Galatians 2, which is read um, by Bench uh, before I came up, which explains this point that no one will be justified by the works of the law. Our faith in Jesus justifies us because, as Paul says, we have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ lives within us. Why he did all this is explained in my next player. So our last player is heart. I have split this player into three different parts. So we've got love, courage and hope. We, have all, we all have those examples of players who play for the club we support who would do anything for the team. I'm not only talking about one club players like Matt Letizia or Ryan Giggs. Players who would give their absolute all because they love the club so much. These players are often loved by the fans equal measure. Fans can forgive when a player gives the ball away or doesn't score. What they can't forgive is someone who doesn't give their all on the football pitch. We all have those players playing for our clubs that may not have the gift of ability but love the club so much that they will keep on running until they can't run no more. We all know the saying, he gave everything for the badge, blood, sweat and tears. But as humans, there is a limit to what we can give, before we have to give up. Guy Neville played over 600 games for Man United, but there was a time where he just couldn't do it anymore. He had given everything he could. Grit and determination, another two words you can associate with football players giving their all, are all well and good, but there is a limit to what we can give. There are also those players who instill hope into others in their team, with words and actions. Gerard used to be one of those players who carried the game on his back at times and would do something out of the blue that would give his team hope, increasing their confidence in a game where it looked like they were down and out. But this didn't always work, and there comes a point where one man is just not enough. I'm going to read um, the first few chapters, first 24 verses of John 19. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault with him. Then Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was, he was the more afraid, and went into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. 
Therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat, in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was preparation day for the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king, for they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to the place called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the centre. Now Pilate wrote the title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews went this, read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek and Latin. Therefore the, the, chief, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What have I written? I, what I have written, I have written. And the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven, woven from the top in one piece. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots. For it was, as it shall be, that the scriptures through, uh, might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. These first um, few verses show what Jesus went through leading up to and during his crucifixion. When talking about giving blood, sweat and tears for the cause, and like when, when talking about footballers, where there is more used in a figurative sense, you can take it literally when it comes to Jesus. There would have been sweat and tears when he was forced to carry his own cross, and more importantly, he shed his blood. His precious sin-cleansing blood for his cause. This cause being to, to save each and every one of us. His badge is the whole world. Why? It was the will of the Father. I think we'll just read Matthew 26, 36, 46. I've read a few times this month. Again. Uh, then Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and rested? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. It was all part of God's plan to send his son to die for our salvation, because 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Even more than Gerard loves Liverpool or Guy Neville loves my United, it is unfaltering love, unfailing love, unconditional love. And I'm going to read Romans 8, 31, uh, 31 which we all know. Um, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercessions for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are all killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Going back to the um, end of Galatians that was read earlier, earlier, Paul says, I live by faith in Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Unlike with us fans, where we love a player one minute and hate him the next, depending on how he's before, he is performing, God will always love us, no matter how we perform in, in our lives. He is also a beacon of hope to us all. Like players used to look at Gerard and it, and it gave them hope, we all know the saying, in hope rather than expectation. If you cast your minds back to 2005 and the one of Gerard's most famous moments in the FA Cup final, when his 30-yard strike won them the cup, you could say that it was a hit in hope and all Liverpool fans were thankful it went in. But it was a 1 in 100 goal. When you put your hope into Jesus, you are blessed with a 1 in 1 strike rate. As he says in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Putting your hope and trust in Jesus is a win-win situation because God is the God of hope and trust. As it says in Romans 15 verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And also in uh, Psalms 5 verse 11, But let all those who rejoice who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. The word joy is used in both of these verses when speaking of hope and trust in the Lord. As we all know, there is only joy in victory. And we can all be joyful tonight because we have the victory and we have the salvation. I'm just going to read now um, Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me, yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees, 
They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of of righteousness. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live. And declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. And he has given us light. By in the sacrifice with cords, the horns of the altar. You are my God. I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. And lastly, we're coming in my part three. Uh, um, you may remember a few weeks ago, um, Terence spoke on Jesus obeying the will of the Father and called it dedication. Um, so the word I'm going to use is courage. So I think they would also would have taken courage to do what Jesus did. As we all know, he wasn't just facing death, but he was facing the sin of the world. And to add that, he was facing being forsaken by God, his Father, who would have been with him every step of the way. He knew what, he was go- what was going to happen to him, but he did it anyway. You see in films and TV shows where a character will see an image of or dream of their own death and do everything they can to avoid it. When Jesus knew that the plan must be stuck to, he walked straight into what needed to be done, without any more doubts. This same courage that Jesus shows is also available to us, as it is a courage that is instilled into us by God himself, because he-, he is with us all the time. We don't need to fear that God will forsake us, for he has promised to always be with us. As it says in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So there we have it. Um, that's Heaven's Eleven. The greatest team that they would ever be. We have God's strength and protection in the back. We have his creation and power in the middle. And of course, we have Jesus and the cross who has saved us from sin. We can now look at the greatest teams that have graced the earth. And these are just some of the examples. We've got Arsenal's Invincible 2004, uh, Manifest Trevor Winning Side. Um, we got Spain's team in the early 2010s, which won a World Cup in two years in a row. And then we got Brazil in the 1970s who um, some regard as the greatest World Cup side ever, forcing players such as Pele and Revillo. All great teams in their own right, with all of them having different strengths that made them great. But they all have something in common. They didn't last. Eras come and go. Great players and managers come and go. And as a Man United fan, I know that more than anyone. <laughs> God is constant. God loves for us will never fade. As it says in the Bible, God is the same today, yesterday and forever. He will forever be on top, and with him on our side, we can never lose. All are defeated who come against him, even death. As it says in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? A rhetorical question, of course. 
But if we were to answer it, we can all confidently say. Um, so there we have it. I hope you enjoyed watching the team come together as much as I put, you put it together. And if you only take one thing away from my three times coming up here, just remember, with God there is only victory. Amen. Amen. Amen.